podcast series from Square Mile, Behind the Screens, hosted by me, Jock Glover, Strategic Relationships Director here at Square Mile Investment Consulting and Research. Uh, as you know, in this series of podcasts, we meet members of the investment teams from across the asset management industry whose funds we rate and spend 15 minutes or so chatting to them about their insights into what's going on in their portfolios and what they're thinking. This week, our guest is T. Lee, Fund Manager at Web Asset Management. T is part of the team that manages the £780 million Web Sustainability Fund, a global equity fund that our analysts expect to deliver positive environmental and social outcomes, along with total returns similar to those you'd expect to get from the MSCI World Index over a five-year period. And our analysts have awarded the fund a responsible AA rating in our Academy of Funds, and it also has a gold 3D rating. T, Welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Now, T, um, I'm going to start off with the question that's a bit of the elephant in the room. Last year, we saw a bit of a sea change for uh, responsible uh, managers with disappointing performance for a lot of them uh, relative to the broader equity markets, having had a good run of performance over the preceding couple of years. And that means that some of our listeners, the advisors, are probably a bit more wary of putting their money into sustainable strategies than they were 12, 15 months ago. Given that's all that you do at web, how's that impacted you? Yeah, so last year is a is a um, really bad year for a lot of sustainability funds. I think the major reason is when you look at all these ESG or impact fund or sustainability focused funds, they are mainly focusing on investing in companies uh, which have higher growth potential. Uh, after all, um, like us, we are investing in companies that provide uh, for the institution that have a positive impact to environmental society and, and society, which means that we are trying to capture um, the sustainability growth um, of the of the part of the economy which is, is supposed to grow faster than the overall economy. And that's why when last year, early last year, when we see this really star rotation from growth to value, um, a lot of sustainability funds was hit by this uh, star rotation. But um, looking at the long term, we still believe that um, looking at our portfolio, for example, we see a lot of our holdings are supported by sustainability drivers, and this sustainability drivers is not going to go away just because of the change of the macro environment. Um, the major headwind last year was from the macro uh, factors, including the increasing of inflation, increasing of interest rates, and the market is ex- like factoring in all these um, macro factors into the valuation. And that's why the higher growth companies um, got hit more when you see high interest rates. But uh, looking underlying the um, economic uh, condition of our companies, definitely there's some, you continue to see kind of very strong growth from those from our holdings. So you're seeing strong growth from the existing holdings. Does that mean that um, you've have you did you have to clear any stocks out of the portfolio, or have you just taken it as an opportunity to add more to them uh, as and when you've got assets available to invest? Yes, that's a good question because, like, um, definitely we saw, as I said before, um, we saw some of the growthy companies got hit particularly hard last year, and when we look at look through our 
investment universe, we definitely see some of the investment opportunities there. And that's why I actually took advantage of this kind of big change of my condition to add to some of the names that we have known for years. And we, these are very high quality companies. And we believe there's, uh, there's a, uh, these are the companies that are supported by long-term multi-year secular trends. And we believe that the fundamentals of these companies remain intact. And that's why we added to a number of these uh, companies in our portfolio last year. Okay, cool. And you said we there, and I alluded to it in my introduction, you run this uh, fund uh, alongside Ted Franks and Victoria McLean, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so how do you split up your day? How do you decide who does what and, uh, within the funds, who looks at which sectors and who makes the ultimate decision or is it, or is it all done by group agreement? The investment team has a very flat structure and each of us have very broad responsibilities um, because we also integrate ESG and engagement within the investment team. So it means um, each analyst in the team not only does the fundamental analysis, um, but we also... Um, with CSR reports and ESG reports, uh, we think this approach enables uh, the analysts to have a more holistic view um, of the quality of the company. Um, and we also do all the AGM of our university companies and engagement with the company management. And in terms of the decision making, it's, it's mostly kind of team basis. Most of the time, we try to get to the team consensus. Um, um, if there's a there's a, there's a situation where the team can't agree on. Normally, we wouldn't take the risk and um, our fund manager tech plan will take the final decision if there's a kind of uh, more divided opinions among the team. Just So that's quite unusual because you as a team then, you know, compare yourself with some of the big houses, you know, the, the big asset managers who are running sort of waterfront propositions who will have a separate responsible investing RI team quite often with 20 or 30, 40 analysts who are doing all that grunt work. Um, and then they're telling the fund managers what they can and can't buy having done that if they're running a sustainable strategy. You guys have it completely embedded. You all do all of it together all of the time. Yes, we, we are very different from most of the people uh, in the market. Um, because uh, as I said, we truly integrate the ESG analysis into the investment team. So we don't have a like separate ESG team or ESG analyst telling us what's the ESG rating of the company. It's all done within the investment team and it's very much integrated into the investment process. So um, when we look at the company quality, we don't have a separate ESG, ESG score. We have a one single score, which is the quality score of the company, which include the ESG factors into the um into the position so effectively we cut you in half you get a web dna that's got esg baked into it and everything you say and do it's not not a separate afterthought or a or, or a, a screen as part of the process yeah not, not not at all no okay cool um themes in the portfolio now i i i think i'm right in thinking there's nine different things you look at when you're looking for uh ideas can you just Give us a sort of an idea of how that works and, and what you're looking at within the portfolio. Yeah, so we have, uh, as I said, nine themes. We have five environmental themes and four social themes. Uh, environmental themes include clean energy, resource efficiency, um, environmental services, water management, and sustainable transport. Social themes include health, well-being, safety, and education. 
Um, and these are very broad themes. So I think uh, some of the sub themes that we invest in um, probably most resonate more with the audience. For example, in resource efficiency, we invest in companies which produce heat pumps to decarbonize heating and cooling, um, cooling in buildings. Uh, heat pumps are three times more energy efficient than gas boilers, and we need many more heat pumps to meet our climate targets in this country. Um, in sustainable transport, we invest in auto suppliers to help car manufacturers to transition to electric vehicles. They produce power semiconductor chips and electrification systems, which are essential components of an electric vehicle. In environmental services, we invest in a paper packaging company to replace plastic packaging. We also invest in a reverse vending machine manufacturing to recycle plastic bottles. As you know, disposable plastic packaging is a major source of uh, plastic waste. So, just the way you think about stocks, and you're obviously looking to the future. You're looking at how they can help further down the line. I always ask the the, the guys that we're interviewing in this where they see the future opportunities. What what what, what do you see in, in this space going forward? And you pulled out a couple of examples there. What's the one you think is the most interesting, the most exciting that you've got in the portfolio at the moment in terms of? Uh, an interesting idea that for the future is going to be a game changer. And I'll give you an example. In the first ever podcast we did, I found out about blue bonds, which is where people are investing in uh, bonds that are helping uh, the ocean, uh, which is a new, a new thing. So that was that, that's an example of an idea where I knew nothing about that before that podcast. So uh, what's going on in your portfolio that does that? I think there are just so many to pick from. I think one of the Theme that we talk about in our recent quarterly webinar is electrifying heating, particularly um, in the industrial sectors. Uh, some of the sectors are very hard to decarbonize, and they use a lot of heat, which uh, mainly use coal and gas to to generate heat. So it's a very carbon-intensive industries. Um, but we have seen now we have like heat pump and other technologies which can help to decarbonize these very hard to decarbonize industries. Um, using electricity, and when we can, when we switch more to using um, more renewable energy in the grid, then we will help to decarbonize those sectors. So we we see there's a huge um, growth opportunities in electrifying heating, um, particularly in the industrial sector. Certainly, what we are doing in also in the investment market is by installing more heat pumps to uh, reduce our carbon footprint in heating, cooling, in buildings. Uh, and, I mean, that is a concept, having to work out how to decarbonise big industry. But we're going to need big industry to go through this process. So it's sort of, are you seeing enormous amounts of change in that process of trying to electrify the heating for industry? Or are we still at the early stages in that? I think this is where we by sector by sector, some of the sectors are uh, are kind of more early adopters of new technologies. Some of the sectors may be more difficult, particularly looking at looking at it from the kind of course point of view, it's actually quite uh, capital intensive to replace your um, kind of heating equipment. Um, so mm. definitely they have to balance between the something. The environmental factors, one of the economic factors, to make such a huge capital investment decision. 
Um, so it, it varies from sector to sector. Okay, so different sectors, different stages. So what keeps you up at night as a management team? What, what, what do you, when you turn off the computer and you go home, what are you sitting there going, crikey, what happens when we've got this call wrong? What, what, what is it that worries you most at the moment? So first of all, we have a reasonably concentrated portfolio of 41 holdings, um, but our portfolio is very diversified across sectors and themes, and we are long-term investors. Um, so I'm not too worried about uh, cyclical and market movements as they tend to smooth out over the economic cycle at the portfolio level over the long term. Uh, what worries me is that um, our portfolio is built on the premise that we are moving towards a more sustainable world. If we see a major setback in sustainability policies, uh, it may have a wider impact on our portfolio. For example, uh, Donald Trump tried to repeal the Obamacare um, in the US a few years ago, and that was something that we watched very closely at that time. Uh, another example is the US Inflation Reduction Act. It is a significant piece of legislation to accelerate investment in renewables and transition to electric vehicles in the US. And we have a number of holdings in the portfolio that will benefit from the IRA. But recently, there are some news that the Republicans may attempt to repeal it. While the risk is low, it, if it happens, it could have a bigger impact on our portfolio, which worries me. So it's much more political and, and regulatory risk rather than market risk in terms of what worries you and keeps you up at night. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, near, we're not quite out of time yet, so I've got, I'm going to ask you one more question. Have you got an interesting statistic from the last week or two that you could just share with the listeners? Yes, I, uh, I've got one view. Um, according to the International Energy Agency, uh, almost one in five cars are sold globally this year will be a electric vehicle. So China is the major market accounting for two-thirds of all electric car sales in 2022, uh, driven by its uh, attractive subsidy program. Longer term, IEA now increases its 2034 cars uh, for the global electric car sales, expecting 35% of global sales will be electric, compared to the previous forecast of 25% uh, due to the increased government uh, EV targets introduced last year. In the meantime, uh, we have seen increased competition in the EV market. Tesla has slashed their prices and there are now more than 500 EV models in the, in the market. We will drive demand further. So we see that EV market is a very attractive long-term growth market. And certainly our position, our portfolio is positioned to capture this long-term secular trend. Okay. Well. On that insight into the EV car market and the expected growth on it, um, we'll have to stop, I'm afraid, T. Um, It's been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you. Um, And thank you for your insights. Uh, To the listeners, uh, as I say every week, uh, if you do want to contact us, uh, please do so through our webpage, which is www.squaremileresearch.com or by emailing us at info at squaremileresearch.com. Thank you.
this podcast is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast. Remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Squaremont Investment Consulting and Research. Squaremont makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. This podcast represents the views and forecasts of Squaremont at the date of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity, and it is not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.